Okay, good evening. Um, well, I wanted to uh, pick up actually with my talk tonight. I want to pick up on on uh, the talk that was given last week uh, and kind of actually start with where that talk ended. I was uh, so, but if you didn't if you didn't hear last week's talk, don't worry. This talk I think will stand on its own. Uh, but last week's talk was. Uh, uh, given by uh, Reverend Mio Leahy, uh, and I thought it was quite a wonderful talk, and I've been thinking about it uh, all week, as, as should happen with a good Dharma talk, I think, that it, it resonates for a while. And uh, this one certainly did for me. And he ended, he ended that talk um, by quoting uh, a Zen story, um, that's that's quite um, uh, famous in the annals of Zen, but he only he only gave us the the last line of the story, and I thought tonight it'd be worth bringing out the whole story and talking about um, what how how things led up to that last line. Um, the last line. Uh, not to hold you into suspense, in suspense was was um, I am just thus you are thus too that was the last line and it it comes um, that I because of my familiarity with many of these stories I I knew where to look for that and Oscar and I have been talking about the story actually for a, a little while. And uh, this this story um, comes uh, from quite a long time ago. It comes from eighth century uh, China, and it's it comes from a dialogue between uh, a fellow who we, we regard as uh, the sixth ancestor of Chinese Zen, the sixth great Zen master in China. Uh, so so. You know, in Soto Zen, we keep track of the great masters, and we, we have uh, we have one through uh, I don't know something like we're in the nineties now. My teachers, I think, I think ninety ninety two or three, and I think uh, Myosan is ninety four or something, ninety six or anyway, they're in the nineties. Uh, but this this story is about uh, the sixth ancestor and his disciple, who was uh, named uh, Nanyue. And uh, this is how the story goes, and it describes uh, the first time they met each other. Uh, Nanyue had been practicing somewhere else, and he came to where uh, the place where the sixth ancestor was practicing and introduced himself. And Wei uh, Nung, uh, who is the sixth ancestor, said, uh, where did you come from? And uh, Nan Yue said, uh, I came from Mount Sung, the other place that he'd been practicing. And Wei Nung said, uh, what is it that thus comes? And uh, Nan Yue didn't know what to say. He didn't have an answer. Um, uh, but then uh, it says that after eight years of practicing uh, with the sixth ancestor, uh, Nanyue had a great insight. He had a great awakening. He was enlightened. And uh, he informed uh, his teacher about this, saying, I have an understanding. And uh, the sixth answer, sister said, oh, what is it? And Nanyue said, uh, to say it's a thing misses the mark. So the sixth answer, ancestor rejoined, uh, uh, then is there no practice in realization? And Nanyue said, 
I don't say that there's no practice and realization. I just say that it can't be defiled. And the sixth ancestor affirmed his understanding saying, just this that is undefiled is what is upheld and sustained by all Buddhas. You are just thus. I am thus too. That was the last line that Mio uh, reminded us. He said, Mio said, that was the most important line of this story. So last week he said that, that that was the most important line, that last line. So um, the word thus in in Sanskrit is uh, tata. Tata and uh, in I think there's some reference here to you know the understanding of um, thusness, this tata. And tata, as you might know, is the root of the compound word tatagata, which is a name for Buddha, a name for the Buddha. And it means, so as a name for the Buddha, it means uh, the one who comes from thusness, one who comes, that's where Buddha is coming from. He's coming from thusness, thusness. and thusness is um, things just as they are, just so, without, you know, any uh, defiling mental or emotional overlays, a direct seeing, direct seeing of reality. So when your teacher says, I, I am thus and you are thus too, it's quite a, an affirmation, you know, it's quite an affirmation. Recognizing, you know, attainment of some sort. So <clears throat> we have, in this case, we have Nanyue, who was uh, at the sixth ancestor's place for eight years. Eight years, during which uh, we presume uh, that he was doing a lot of this practice that we did at the beginning of the evening. He was doing a lot of this sitting meditation uh, because uh, Wei Nung, the sixth ancestor, was very, uh, very high on sitting meditation. And uh, he equated, uh, that is the sixth ancestor, equated uh, Zazen with perfect wisdom. He, 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 in his teaching, he taught that there was no difference between Zazen and perfect wisdom. They were not two. So it's kind of a funny thing in this story that uh, eight years goes by in the middle of the story, right? Eight years goes by in the middle of the story and uh, and during this eight years, uh, after this, the end of this eight, eight years, he's ready to resume the conversation that he started when he couldn't answer, not your way, that is, couldn't answer eight years ago. Uh, but what's really remarkable, I think, is that uh, he is he is not uh, willing. He's not willing to give his realization a name. He's not willing to call it a thing. 
so some some other uh, people of his day uh, were willing to call it a thing. Uh, they were willing to call it um, Buddha nature. Uh, they were willing to call it absolute reality, absolute truth. Other people in, in Nanyue's day were willing to, to, to do that. Uh, but Nanyue didn't go there. He didn't, he didn't want to um, give it a name. He was only willing to say, he was only willing to describe this one attribute. And this one attribute uh, was that it can't be defiled. It can't be defiled. It has a kind of um, adamantine, diamond-like feeling or presence or being that um, it can't be cut into or broken up, can't be pulled apart. It's, 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 it's complete wholeness, complete wholeness. So when he, uh, you know, this, this, this story is just loaded with uh, kind of wondrous, wonderful references to, uh, you know, conventional Buddhist teaching, uh, because when uh, he says that it can't be defiled, there's a specific, there's a specific meaning to that word defiled. Um, that, that word, um, in Sanskrit is, is klesha, kleshas. It also means afflictions. And uh, the, the kleshas are, are variously described in the literature. There, there are different lists as there are so many times in Buddhist teaching, right? There's so many different lists. And, uh, but always, always on the list are uh, what we call the three poisons. Uh, greed or avarice, hatred or anger, and delusion or confusion. Greed, hate, and delusion, we often say. But there's other, there were other, there were other, in, on other, other lists. Uh, there are also included uh, restlessness, uh, uh, lassitude, you know, not having the, not, not, not having the energy to practice. Restlessness is having too much energy to practice. Lassitude is having not enough energy to practice. Now, one of the lists um, has stupidity on it. Uh, also, one of the lists has uh, doubt. And doubt, of course, is a, a hindrance that, and an affliction that, you know, stops us from taking on various endeavors because we're not sure is this is this way that I'm going to pursue effective or not we have doubt and so we don't start we don't we don't um, make an initial effort to find out is this effective or not is this an effective way to practice Under the influence of the defilements, the afflictions, uh, we are we are not at ease. We are off balance. We're not peaceful. On the other hand, when we're not obscured by the defilements. We could see that things are just us, just appearing as they are, absent our judgments, 
our prejudices, our discriminations. Um, and, and oftentimes, if we were able to see things that way, uh, we can be more peaceful, more at ease, more calm. more capable of uh, withstanding uh, the slings and arrows you know, of, of life, uh, not getting what we want. So uh, I think there are various ways that we can think about um, thusness in the various ways that we can think about defilement. Um, in thusness or, or, or a, to see things in the thusness, in the sense of thusness, is uh, you could say uh, to be immersed, to be immersed to be uh, enveloped by, to be, to be held, uh, to consider that uh, we are in a kind of circle of loving care. We are in, we are in a circle of wonder. Uh, that we are not, uh, well, and this, is, this goes over to kind of defilement, because defilement tends to uh, go against all of those things. It, te it tends to go in the, in the directions of the sense of separation, of alienation, of not being a part of, of not being accepted, not being embraced and not embracing. So to to uh, to have a direction, to have an intention uh, towards uh, thusness is, you know, this is this is what we we seek to arouse this kind of this kind of direction to have this this direction towards including everyone, including ourself including others, not making up reasons to uh, divide, not, re not making up reasons to hate, not making up reasons to exclude. But going in the direction of inclusion, of embracing, of being embraced, really going in the direction of happiness. This is, this is a happy state of affairs, to feel oneself a part of, not separate, included. And so, you know, if we, if we're going in the direction of thusness, this is the kind of, this is the kind of feeling we want, we want to foster in the world. That we'd, we'd be interested in fostering that kind of that kind of uh, orientation in the world. Um, so you know, this is some this is this is a practice we can do all the time. Um, fostering this kind of inclusive, embracing awareness. When uh, Nanyue says, uh, I am, you are thus, I am also thus. This is the point that I think Mio was making. This is why he said, he said, he said, this is the most important point. I felt like it was, in, in, I felt like he was saying, 
Nanyue was saying to, I mean, excuse me, Huineng was saying to Nanyue, uh, we are the same. We are on equal, we, we are on equal footing. We see things the same way. It's a great, you know, acknowledgement from your teacher to, to have your teacher say, we see things the same way. One of the greatest moments in my entire Zen career was when I gave my second Dharma talk when I was head student at Green Gulch. And I came out of the Dharma talk and my teacher said, that hit the spot. You know, that, that's probably all I need like for the rest of my life in terms of praise, you know, that, that's, that did it, you know. I can live on that for the rest of my life. So, you know, I think the, the point that Nyo is often trying to uh, uh, reinforce or, or give us or uh, offer us is, is that, uh, you know, th this is, you know, I am thus, you were thus too. This is the way uh, the enlightened ones see things. And why not, let's just go there. Let's just, let's just adopt that way of seeing that we see each other as equals on the path. Not putting up, not putting down one Dharma and one realization. Everyone's included. I, I tell you a story um, one time. I, this was mm, probably 25 years ago or so. I, I know I was still working then, it was a while ago, probably in the 1990s, and I went to Seshin at uh, Green Gulch Farm. And uh, I came, um, out of the Sashin, I was by myself. I had gone uh, from here, Sacramento, to sit to Sashin, and then I was returning home. And um, I stopped at the 7-Eleven on uh, Shoreline Boulevard. Some of you will be familiar with the 7-Eleven on Shoreline Boulevard as you head over the hill to Green Gulch Farm. And I went into the um, into the store to get something to drink for my you know, trip home. And I brought it up to the clerk and uh, I looked at the clerk and I, I just, uh, I just, I just knew that she was one of the enlightened ones. I was just so sure she was. And I also knew that she knew that I knew that. And, but, you know, we didn't talk about it. We didn't bring it up. We just looked at each other and recognized each other um, as completely awake beings without any barrier. And, you know, I exchanged the money and took my drink and left. We didn't talk about it. But um, this is this is um, this is a kind of possible um, you know perception to have uh, to see another person and and understand them as your complete equal in awakening, and that's what Wainong uh, uh, offered you know, to Nanyue. Uh, there's another line in this that I wanted to talk about, which is that Huineng says, all the Buddhas uphold what is undefiled. All the, you know, uh, you know he, Nanyue says, you know, I just say that it can't be defiled. And then, uh, Huineng says, all the Buddhas 
uphold what is not defiled. So I think there's, um, you know, there's two parts to this uh, upholding thing. You know, how do we uphold um, what is not defiled? But, well, how do we go about that? And uh, one, the first way is, is to admit that there is defilement, uh, to confess that there is defilement, to recognize uh, the ways in which we are or we act uh, from uh, defilement. So we, you know, we do recognize um, our imperfections. And this is um, an important aspect of practice. And I think many of us come to practice, are motivated to practice um, because we see um, our defilements, our afflictions, and, and we see them and we decide, I really would rather not live under their sway. I would really rather not live under the sway of these afflictions. Uh, so I'm going to uh, start doing something. But we don't know what it is, but we're going to do something. Anyway, we're going to start practicing. Uh, you know, I've often said that my my original one of my original insights before I started practicing was that I saw I, I had an instance of insight without practicing. <laughs> I saw how my mind uh, set up judgments about other people. And I saw I was close to some people. And yet I, I saw that I had judgments about those people. I had judgments about how they looked. I had judgments about how they talked. I had judgments about the clothes they wear, they wore. And I, I recognized this as kind of, I mean, I didn't have this word at the time, but I recognized this as a defilement, you know? I didn't have that word at the time, but I certainly recognized it as, as some way that I could see was really, really built in to my way of looking at things. And, you know, when you, when you first see it and when you realize it's really built in, it's kind of shocking. It is kind of shocking. And especially if you think there was, there's been some people in my life that were like this and I'm like them too, you know? I thought they were, you know, such and such, such and such, you know, but no, I'm like them. I've, I've, I am like, I have become like them and I have the same habits. Um, so, um, you know, so that's one, that's one, you know, aspect of upholding what is undefiled is recognizing that you're defiled, recognizing that you have work to do, that we all have work to do. And the other part, of course, is, is, is making a decision to practice, to, to address, um, to, to look directly at these, at the defiling mind. Uh, to take to take a direction uh, to find, to to see if one can discover um, a kind of awareness that um, uh, isn't um, you know separating that that is there some awareness to, to find to 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 study the self enough and to study the self and, and see if there is some other kind of awareness there. Is there some other awareness besides discriminating judgment? 
Is there? Um, how deep do I have to go to, 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 to find, to, to see if that is there? And, and what I've found is you have to go pretty deep. It, it, it's, um, and I, I don't say that, um, I mean, I, I don't say that I have gone that deep, uh, but, but I, I think you do have to go quite deep uh, into awareness of awareness, awareness of what your awareness is doing uh, to uh, discover that there is, there, there is some awareness of, that's called things as they are. Things as they are undefiled by the clashes, undefiled by these habits of greed, hate, delusion that are, uh, according to our, uh, something we chant very frequently, uh, you know, beginningless, from beginningless greed, hate, and delusion, we say. These things, these things are, um, these habits are very, very deep. So we have to, you know, we have to go deep. You know, you have to dig down. If you want to dig down something that has, if something has, you know, a lot of roots, you know, and you want to pull it out, you've got to dig way down. So if, if, if you know, we did a lot of, Terry Winter did a lot of digging out here in the north yard. Unbelievable digging out roots, you know, because they were really embedded for a long time. This is just like our consciousness. Our consciousness, it just, you know, it actually, you know, didn't just begin with us. It's beginningless. There's, 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 there's a consciousness in the species, right? And of course, we're you know, we're, we're suffering and we're, our species is suffering a lot now because of uh, uh, the consciousness, you know, that we haven't gone deeply enough to explore and to dig up and to examine and to um, clean up, you know, clean up our act. So, you know, oftentimes I'm thinking about this talk and I'm, I, I think about my talks for like a week before I'm going to give a talk and I maybe I kind of sitting with the idea that um, I'm going to be giving a talk, right? And so, uh, which is good because I like to sit with the idea that I'm going to give a talk and then some, usually it's kind of I'm making like a request <laughs> from the universe to please give me something to talk about. <laughs> and uh, and oftentimes uh, you know something comes you know and uh, so this week you know what came was Mio's wonderful talk last week but uh, another thing that came was uh, that recently I was giving zazen instruction uh, to some people uh, and uh, there's people that hadn't been you know practicing and. Uh, I usually say, uh, what I usually say, you know, you know, sit up straight and uh, lift the crown of the head high. And can uh, I say, cast the eyes down at a forty-five degree angle. Keep the eyes open and cast the eyes down at a forty-five degree angle. But I usually don't say, and maybe I'll start saying this, I don't know. Uh, because we cast the eyes down at a 45 degrees angle, uh, uh, we do that. The reason we do that, uh, you know, is, you know, yeah, it's, it's so we're not looking around, you know. It's, it's so we're not looking around, so we're, we're, we're kind of... Uh, 
not emphasizing you know, the field of vision, even though we, we still wish to have some light coming in, uh, we, we're not emphasizing in sitting meditation, we're not emphasizing uh, seeing something. Uh, sometimes I do say, uh, and this is an expression, you know, throw away the eyes. Look down at a 45 degree angle, but uh, throw away the eyes. But um, well, what came was um, uh, that I don't usually say is that we don't at all uh, look down in order to, you know, be, be downcast. Our eyes are downcast, but we, we look down in order to open up um, our, our spiritual eye, our, our third eye, if you will. We, 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 we look down, throw away the eyes, and um, in the service, you know, in the service of insight, in the service of the teaching of thusness, the teaching of thusness, that's, that's why we do this. Uh, this would be too much for a beginning meditation instruction. <laughs> but anyway, I, I won't probably end up saying all this, but I'm saying it to you because you're advanced meditators. Um, you know, anyway, in the service of the teaching of thusness and um, in, in the service of, uh, you know, seeing, seeing things, we say seeing things, that's how we talk, seeing things just as they are. But it's, you know, it's not, well, it can actually be, see, you know, seeing things just as they are. If, if you get, if, if you practice, if you practice this way, you, you do actually visually see things as they are more. And I don't know how to explain that, but um, you don't make, you don't make so many visual superimpositions in the, on the world. And, and this is, and so you get a little bit more of the eye of the artist if you if you practice this way, uh, because uh, what artists are good at is they don't impose their ideas on what they see. That's what they're really good at. Uh, they just see what's there, and uh, so you can you can you can gain some. Here's a little you know incentive. You can become more artistic. <laughs> Not really, but <laughs> I haven't become more artistic. But sometimes I do see, I do actually, with the eye, I actually see things in a new way. So thank you very much. Uh, we could, uh, I've, I always think I'm not going to talk that long, and then uh, I hear I have. But we have about 15 minutes, so uh, if you have some questions uh, or the Zoom folks, I hope they're having a good experience today. Uh, I think I haven't heard any complaints. Uh, of course, maybe they, they can't make complaints, can they? Uh, now that some of them have disappeared, did they all leave? Yes, Kenny. What do we do with the cliches? We cliches. Cliches. We we can one thing we can confess that we you know, are subject to them. them. But like, I sometimes feel like there's the you know like there's a veil, the cliches are in in the way. But I can sort of see maybe through that there might be the absolute just sort of when I'm talking or something I have an awareness of who I am and what other people are thinking but I also know there's maybe a world beyond I I don't know I just sort of have a maybe what's a more day-to-day -day thing because we're we can meditate and maybe not fixate on the defilements but 
seems like Rawlins sometimes talks about, you know, the idea we're already enlightened, but we're, we shouldn't throw out the uh, the relative world because the absolute and the relative are pretty much always going to be mixed up at the same time. I don't know if that made any sense, but that's any practical tips about what do you do about the defilements on an ordinary day basis? Oh, on an ordinary day basis, uh, maintain your mindfulness. Mindfully be aware of um, what's troubling you or, you know, what is, uh, and, and, you know, it also involves some questioning, you know, is the way I'm thinking about myself, is the way I'm thinking about this other person, is this helpful? You know, that what I, I like the helpful word. Is it, is it helpful to be talking about myself this way or thinking about myself this way? If it is, please continue. If it's not, then let, you know, then um, uh, think, you know, ask, is there, is there some other way I could think about myself or talk to myself right now uh, that would be more supportive, more embracing, more including myself in the circle of wonder, you know? Uh, if it's not like that, then we we should question it. You know, if it's if it's if it's separating, if it's if it's uh, alienating, if it's uh, excluding, if it's excluding some part of ourself, or you know, being down on ourself, we should be mindful of this. Practice mindfulness. Mindfulness with the defilements. So there's acknowledging that there are defilements, and then there's being there's practicing mindfulness with defilements and questioning them, questioning them, um, and 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 then there's also you know making a decision, uh, making a decision that. Um, I won't talk to myself that way, or I will talk to myself that way in that in that supportive, inclusive, embracing way. I will continue to talk to myself that way. I'm completely into including myself in uh, as equals with every other person. This was what you know Huynang was willing to do. You know. He included Nanyue. He said, we say things exactly the same. You are thus, I am thus too. It's so wonderful. So, you know, uh, we, but this, is, this is like a very high aspiration, right? It's kind of like, whoa. But we can aspire to it. We can aspire to that kind of vision. And, of course, we will see ourselves falling short, but then we don't need to take falling short as a reason to give up or, uh, you know, to stop practicing. I haven't stopped, you know, my judgmental mind, but I do, I do have instances of seeing that it's not there, that it's stopped. And I'm so encouraged by that when I'm, when I'm able to be even, 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 with the situations and equanimous with situations. Uh, I'm so encouraged by that. And because I'm encouraged by that, I want to continue. I want to keep on practicing. Doesn't mean I don't fall down. Uh, I do. I fall down all the time. But I'm also encouraged by, you know, change that I've seen and I want to continue. Oscar? I get a lot of uh, value out of this idea of, um, of confession. I, um, so teaching that uh, has been very um, 
influential for me for a long time. And I forget it and then it comes back and I remember it and I forget it again. Is uh, um, those who are greatly enlightened uh, about delusion are Buddhas, as opposed to those who are greatly deluded about enlightenment. Um, so it's like a koan that I, I, I come back to. And so, um, you know, and I think, oh, so it's delusion that we should be trying to get enlightened about, delusion we should be studying are clashes that we should be exploring, open to. And it's come to me on occasion that um, that that exploration can itself be without any judgment. So the clashes, you know, I mean, when we say clashes, it's kind of like we don't like clashes. When we say defilement, it's like we don't like defilement. And that's natural, but but that's def that's the defilement. And when it's come to me that, um, well, this is just how it is. This is just how I am. This is the cause, you know, due to causes and conditions. How wonderful, how amazing that I should have these delusions. I should be such a deluded creature. How, how, what a gift. The whole world, the whole universe, throughout space and time has organized itself so that I could be deluded in this fashion. And to think that way is to be thinking from a different place than the delusion. And, um, so it can just open out without, you know, and just be wonderful. You, you stimulated a kind of insight in me. Um, you, you know what a, what a in, 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 in warfare, you know what a pincer movement is? A pincer movement is where you, you know, you have send one force from one side and you send another force from another side and you catch the enemy in the middle, right? And I was thinking that, you know, what your, what your, what your, um, what you, the, the quote from Genjo Cohen that you cited, it's like, um, and just what you were saying is like, sometimes, sometimes we're coming from within the relative and we're working within the relative. And sometimes we're coming from within the absolute and, and we can, we, you know, and some, so, so, so in our daily life, more like in our daily life, we're coming from within the relative. And then in retreat and in sashin, we're coming from more within the absolute. And this is, this is our life of practice, you know, this pincer movement, sometimes coming from within the absolute, sometimes coming from within the relative. And, uh, yeah, so that's what your, that's what uh, your, your, your comment, uh, started in me. Yeah. And both practices, you know, reinforcing each other and, you know, being, being the completion of... It's, it's that pivot, it's the pivot, uh, the place where those two pivots, the, the place, the place around which those pivot, um, Sometimes it seems to me that, that the whole practice is finding that relationship between the subject and the object, between what's out there and what's in there and what's in here, so to speak. And uh, it's so easy to get sucked into one or the other. And both of those are, you know, are one-sided. So it's finding that place where... Um, where subject can't be without object and object can't be without subject. So there's really no difference. Uh, I mean, you can talk about them as two things. You can have two words, but in their essence, they, there's no separation. In their essence, they harmonize, I would say. They harmonize. 
But even that is a little off because it, it you know, you have to have two things to harmonize uh, together. But yes and no. <laughs> well, we do say, you know, there is difference and there is, you know, equality. Exactly. Right? So we're exploring, always exploring that dynamic. Another quote uh, that, that comes to mind is, uh, that came to mind early in your talk. Another quote uh, uh, that came to mind early in the talk was, uh, what is it, uh, just to depict it in literary form is to stain it with defilement. Mm -hmm. It seems like that's what Nanyue was. Yeah. Avoiding. <laughs> he was avoiding that. He was avoiding putting a name on it. Uh, Zoom have any questions? Comments? Oh, uh, Cody does here in the room. Um, you, you had me thinking about uh, when you practice for a while and you, you know, go for a walk, all of a sudden you see nature a little bit differently. You, especially after a session, you know, I, I can remember after my first session, walking out of San Francisco Zen Center, going down Van Ness, was, this is beautiful. <laughs> you, know, you know, trash on the floor, you know, didn't smell that great, but it's just gorgeous. <laughs> um, but it also reminds me of my little niece. She's four years old. And, you know, she has the heart of Buddha that I have never seen before. I mean, it. she'll come to my door and bring me a little... Uh, bag with a, a whatever it might be and there'll be like a little box with a little jewel in it or something um well here's a present you know no reason just it's tuesday and um but what you had me thinking about was whenever she would come up to me she would always she likes to bring me her pictures that she was drawing it's usually it's just scribbles but you know oh what do you think it is I don't know what is it? it's a butterfly and it's <laughs> you know when you look at it it's like I wouldn't have guessed you know but that kind of like you were talking about it's so easy for us to have bring this judgmental mind to things that we commonly see you know and, and um it reminds me I forget if what the American poet what uh, who it was but he was saying something to the effect of um, what looks like a um, an obstruction or something in the way, referring to a tree, is you know the Lord's magnificence, glory, or something flowing in the wind. Using whatever words he was, but kind of alluding to how you can have this change of perception to verify your understanding. Still the same thing that you're looking at, but it just, um, yeah, changes, changes. And uh, the last thing is, I, I I liked how you tied in the part about confession as well as a way to work with delusion. And I and I do like the chant quite a bit because it, it really makes me feel good about myself when I know that it's beginningless. So I was like, okay, well, it's not all me then. You know, a couple centuries thrown in there. It's not all my fault that I have some of these delusions. And then it also gives me the, the reassurance, though, that um, I feel like when we sit, you know, and these things kind of pop up, not knowing from whom they popped up or who was causing that to pop up in us, you know, whether it be influences from just our life or previous lives, like you mentioned, uh, there's something that happens in sitting that you really do get to let go of things that have may have been there for quite some time. Patterns from our parents, patterns from society, judgments. Um, 
And it really is kind of alleviating when that happens. Um, Your story about the the tree, but it's not really a tree. What came up for me was um, Gertrude Stein saying, a rose is a rose is a rose. And then I thought, no, the Buddhist poem is, a rose is not a rose is a rose. That's the Buddhist poem. A rose is not a rose is a rose. (laughs) First there is a mountain, then there is no mountain, then there is. Yes, what's your name? Say it again. Dunya. Dunya? Yes, like a, like a dune. Dunya, got it. Um, yeah, I was thinking about the whole question with afflictions and how we can get into this chasing our own tail um, experience when we decide that we don't like our afflictions. It becomes a sort of an additional layer of affliction, like an aversion towards elements that structure your experience and you can kind of get caught in that but it kind of almost depends on where the center of gravity is during practice like if your awareness is operating from within an affliction then it's an affliction but if it's like your awareness is the big container and the so-called afflictive emotional state is happening in the container, but the container is the big space, then it kind of, that situation's undone because it's no longer my affliction. It's just energy of anger, thought of judgment, and it's coming out of the universe. Your job is just to hold the big space and receive it you didn't make it um you just you know give it room and it was funny for me tonight i'd come carrying some stuff from work i sat down to practice and just seemed not to be able to get out of my loops but then we sat down here and suddenly I was like in a big space and like the same stuff that was, it was literally like seeing the big space and the same stuff, just not identifying with it. It's no longer my kalesha, so it can just come and go, you know, and, and it's not even a problem. So that was just like a really interesting, you know, point. Thank you. You know, uh, Zukiroshi says, you know, uh, give your sh- the way to you know control your sheep or your cow is to give it a big, big field, give it a big field. So that's your point. Thank you. Maybe this will be the last question since we're getting on toward nine o'clock. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Press it uh, kind of continually for a little bit. Okay, the light is on. There you go. Yeah, I uh, I was uh, attracted to thusness uh, in, in such a way that whenever I've used that word, it seemed to me like it didn't have a judgment. It wasn't good or bad. Uh, and it didn't have limits, uh, and it it gave me a sense of of knowingness, thusness, and knowing. And so I, I liked uh, how you shared about thusness, uh, thusly, and uh, thus is the way that it is. And I neither lean to the left or to the right. I just stay with the dustness. Thank you. Dustness is the is the big 
big room where everything has a, you know, can be here and it can also drop away. Thank you very much.